Welcome to Mammoth Community Christian Church. It's such a joy to gather with you today. This is what we were created to do. We were created to be in the presence of God together, to worship our Creator. And, and when we don't experience this, there will always be something missing. So thank you for, for joining us today in living out this life that we were created for. Well, one of the first things you, you learn when you begin to play the game of chess is that you need to consider every time you move a piece how your opponent will respond. Are there any chess players here? Anyone love the game of chess? Okay, I see a couple of hands. Um, Chess is a fun game. I have a friend who has the app where he's continually playing games on his phone. It connects him with other chess players throughout the world. Uh, you can constantly be playing chess these days, no matter where you are. Now, each time you move a chess piece, you open yourself up to potential weaknesses and vulnerabilities that could negatively affect your game. One of the worst feelings, at least that I have when I play chess, maybe you're much better than me, but one of the worst feelings I have when I play chess happens when I move one of my pieces into a new square and I, I'm trying to close in on, on maybe an important piece that my opponent has. I want to capture it. I, I want to uh, weaken my opponent's position. And I move a piece, I lift my hand, and I realize, oh no, I didn't see that I was falling into my friend's trap. That, that by moving my piece to this square, I was actually making myself vulnerable for that piece to be taken, for, for that piece to be removed from the board. So many times our mistakes in chess are, what we, are from what we did not see, what we did not anticipate our opponent doing. And today we're going to learn that the church in Sardis failed to see the weaknesses, the, the vulnerabilities in its spiritual life. And we're going to see that this failure of them to anticipate these weaknesses led to devastating spiritual consequences. Jesus today gives us the same command that we're going to see he gives the church in Sardis, which is this, wake up and watch. Notice your vulnerabilities as followers of Jesus Christ. Take action to strengthen your defenses. Let's read our passage for today. To the angel of the church in Sardis write, these are the words of him who holds the seven spirits of God and the seven stars. I know your deeds. You have a reputation of being alive, but you are dead. Wake up, strengthen what remains and is about to die, for I have found your deeds unfinished in the sight of my God. Remember, therefore, what you have received and heard. Hold it fast and repent. But if you do not wake up, I will come like a thief, and you will not know at what time I will come to you. Yet you have a few people in Sardis who have not soiled their clothes. They will walk with me dressed in white, for they are worthy. The one who is victorious will, like them, be dressed in white. 
I will never blot out the name of that person from the book of life, but will acknowledge that name before my Father and his angels. Whoever has ears, let them hear what the Spirit says to the churches. Now, one of the most annoying things I experience when I'm deep asleep, dreaming dreams, is the sound of my alarm, right? And, and, and that alarm just breaks through my pleasant sleep and, and calls me to get up. And in our passage today, that's what Jesus' words are doing. For the church in Sardis and, and for us today, Jesus' words are cutting through like an alarm, through slumber, spiritual slumber, waking God's people up. This Greek word that Jesus uses at the beginning of verse 2, wake up, it's one word in the Greek, wake up. It means to be in constant readiness, to be on the alert. And it's translated in other parts of Scripture as keep watch. And it often carries this sense of an urgent warning, alerting the reader that there is danger all around. There's harm that may be done. Watch out. And so to avoid the danger and the harm, we must stay on high alert. We must keep careful watch. We must stay vigilantly on guard. That Jesus would use this word in his command to the church in Sardis is highly significant. Because the believers in this particular city of Sardis, hearing this one single word, would have been reminded of an entire history, the history of their own city, which they would know provides examples of the devastation that happens when a community of people does not keep watch. You see, the city of Sardis was located on an important trade route that ran from the inland of modern-day Turkey to the Aegean Sea. And so, so everything has to be moved by boats as much as possible, so you'd move it from inland to the sea and then all over the Mediterranean region. And so because of this location, high above the plain, over this trade route, this city of Sardis commanded and controlled this vital artery of trade. Mount Tamales dominates the geography of this region. And on one of the foothills of that mountain, there's a plateau 1,500 feet above the plain below. And it's on this plateau, 1,500 feet in the air, that the city of Sardis was built. And what's, what's striking is the sides of this plateau were, were steep. They were like a wall of solid rock. And so the only way to get to the city of Sardis was where the plateau met the side of the mountain. And even there, it was just a steep, dangerous, narrow road up to that city. And so everyone viewed the city of Sardis as impregnable, impossible to conquer. There's, there's no way an, an invading army could ever take over this city. And so it rose 
like a massive watchtower guarding the surrounding area. It looked totally, totally safe. And so if you lived in Sardis, you felt very, very comfortable. You felt very safe. Maybe other cities will get captured by invading armies, but not your city. You could relax. You didn't need to watch. You didn't need to stand guard. Or so you would have thought. Sardis was also fabulously rich. Because it was on this artery, it just reaped the profit of trade. And one of the kings of Sardis uh, had the name Croesus. He lived in the 6th century BC. And for many years, if you wanted to, to describe someone in the world like Bill Gates or Elon Musk as being fabulously rich, you would say they are as rich as Croesus the king of Sardis. Under Croesus, uh, Sardis was at the height of its power, wealth, and influence, but it was also under Croesus that the city fell into devastation and to its lowest point in history. You see, while Croesus was king, a great political philosopher and statesman from the city of Athens visited Sardis. His name was Solon. And Croesus wanted to impress the philosopher. You see him on the screen. And so the king of Sardis, Croesus, showed Salon all of the wealth of the city. But Salon was an old, wise man. And he could tell that Croesus and his people were putting way too much faith in the fact that their city was on this high plateau with steep sides. And that they had so much money that they felt they could protect themselves. And so Solon said to King Croesus, call no man happy until he is dead. Not long afterward, Croesus decided to go to war against Cyrus of Persia. Croesus was defeated on the battlefield and so he and his army fled back to their city high on the plateau where they knew they were safe. Cyrus then marched his army to Sardis and surrounded it, but he was far below on the plain. And Cyrus had no idea how to conquer Sardis. No one had ever conquered it before. And then one night, something happened. A spy from Cyrus's army noticed that, that a soldier from Sardis dropped his helmet over the wall of Sardis, and it fell down the, the side of the wall and then down the, the steep plateau all the way to the plain far below. But then the soldier from Sardis just climbed over the wall and just climbed down the plateau, the, the wall of the plateau, all the way to the plain below, picked up his helmet, and then climbed back up on the side of what appeared to be sheer rock. And so that night, a band of soldiers from Cyrus's army went to that spot. And they realized that the side of the plateau was not solid rock after all. It was more like tightly packed clay that you could dig into and make a handhold and a foothold. And that night, the small band of enemy soldiers climbed all the way up the side of the plateau, all the way up, and they found that the wall of the city of Sardis was unguarded. No one was watching. And so this small band of enemy soldiers in one night conquered the city of Sardis. 
And if that wasn't enough, hundreds of years later, when Alexander the Great died, this same thing happened again. Another person was taking refuge in Sardis. An enemy army came, and that army climbed up the side of the plateau and again found the wall of the city of Sardis unguarded. No one was watching. And and so to this city that had been conquered twice in this way, Jesus says, be on your guard. Watch. Watch your walls. Jesus then gives specific advice for how to do this. He says, wake up, strengthen what remains and is about to die. For I have found your deeds unfinished in the sight of my God. Remember, therefore, what you've received, what you've heard, hold it fast and repent. They're first called to strengthen, to strengthen what remains and is about to die. This is a description of, of a community of believers recognizing the areas of, of spiritual vulnerability that they have and then addressing these vulnerabilities so that they're ready for the challenges that they may face. And then second, they're called to remember. Remember, therefore, what you've received and heard. Hold it fast and repent. The last time I spoke, we focused on Jesus' words where he says that he's found their deeds unfinished in the sight of God. In the rest of our time together today, we're going to look at other, the other parts of this section and focus on three areas that Scripture commands us to keep careful watch. This command to keep watch occurs again and again and again throughout Scripture, and Scripture is clear. There's some key areas where we need to keep watch. We're going to look at three. Against the weakening of our faith, against temptation, and against our enemy, the devil. Scripture repeatedly warns us to watch and guard against the weakening of our faith. We read in 1 Corinthians, Paul writes this, Be on your guard, stand firm in the faith, be courageous, be strong. The underlined words you see on the screen are the same. In the Greek, it's that same one word Jesus speaks to the church in Sardis. Watch, be on your guard. And the area of our lives that Paul here commands us to watch and to guard is our faith. Paul wants to make sure that we're standing firm in our faith. And the opposite of standing firm in our faith is to waffle and vacillate and to be unsteady in our commitment to Jesus Christ. One way to test whether or not we're on our guard by standing firm in our faith is to reflect on whether we act differently when we're surrounded here at church by our Christian friends than when we act when we're in our workplace or when we're at school, surrounded by our non-believing friends. When we're surrounded by our, our non-believing friends in our workplaces or schools, does the center of gravity in our lives shift in such a way that we do our best to try to blend in 
with those who have values that are so different from the values of following Jesus Christ. In high school, I had a Christian friend, and I knew he attended a church. But then in in our class together, he would swear more than anybody else. Now, I'm pretty sure he didn't swear that way at church. He swore more than our non-Christian friends. It was as though at school the center of gravity in his life shifted ever so slightly. I'm sure he still loved Jesus while he was at school, but there was this shift when he was at school, and he seemed to make extra effort to try to blend in with everybody else. But everyone else around us. They weren't committed to Jesus at all. Finally, I had to talk to him about his swearing. We ended up becoming really good friends. He'd often give me a ride home after school from that point on, but he needed to address the shift that was occurring when he was at school that made him act differently than when he was at church. Paul teaches us that watching, being on our guard spiritually, entails that we stand firm in our faith. And this act of standing firm in our faith is an act of perseverance in our commitment to Jesus Christ, in which we remain rooted in him steadfastly anchored in him, determined to continue living in a way that pleases him alone, no matter how difficult that may be. And the only time we see whether or not we're standing firm in our faith and our commitment to Jesus Christ is when it's difficult to do so. When we pay a price for our loyalty and obedience to him. When others around us and perhaps everyone around us is failing to do so. In the area of the firmness of our faith and the steadiness of our commitment to Jesus Christ, we are to wake up strengthen what remains and is about to die. Remember what you have received and heard. Hold it fast. Repent. If your faith is wavering today, strengthen it. We do that by crying out to God, asking him to renew in us the strength of our faith, the steadiness of our commitment to him. Remember all that you've received and heard, all the ways that God has led you, all the ways that God has taught you, all the ways that God has been working in your life to to shape you. Hold fast to the truth of God. Turn away from this weakened, waffling, vacillating uh, commitment and allow God to give you deep, rooted, anchored faith in Jesus Christ. A second area where scripture commands us to keep watch is against temptation. On the night when Jesus was betrayed, before he was arrested and crucified, he led his disciples to the Mount of Olives where they prayed together in the Garden of Gethsemane. And Jesus knew what was about to happen. And so we read that Jesus took Peter and the two sons of Zebedee along with him. And he began to be um, uh, sorrowful and troubled. 
Then he said to them, my soul is overwhelmed with sorrow to the point of death. Stay here and keep watch with me. Again, in the Greek underlined parts, that's one Greek word that Jesus speaks to the church in Sardis. Keep watch, remain on guard. When we experience deep sorrow, as Jesus did in this moment, these are times when we need to especially stay on guard, keep watch, because these are times when we're especially vulnerable. Then we read, going a little farther, Jesus fell with his face to the ground and prayed, my father, if it is possible, may this cup be taken from me, yet not as I will, but as you will. Then he returned to his disciples and found them sleeping. Couldn't you men keep watch with me for one hour, he asked Peter. Watch and pray so that you will not fall into temptation. The spirit is willing, but the flesh The sinful flesh is weak. Jesus returned to the disciples. He finds them sleeping, sleeping like the city of Sardis. In other words, they're doing the opposite of being watchful and on guard. They're asleep. So Jesus tells them, couldn't you keep watch for one hour? Watch and pray so that you will not fall into temptation. The spirit is willing. You may want to do the right thing, but your flesh is weak. Keep watch. We also learn here that watching and guarding against temptation is to keep watch with Jesus Christ. In other words, we don't guard our lives on our own. We don't keep watch against temptation by ourselves. No, to keep watch against temptation, to guard ourselves against the things around us that can lead us into sin is to keep watch with Jesus Christ. This means that Jesus Christ himself provides the companionship and the aid that we need in our moment of severe temptation. And this means that we resist temptation, not through our own strength or power, but through the aid given us in our time of need by Jesus Christ himself, but through the power of his Holy Spirit. Jesus himself was tempted and tried, and yet he never gave in to temptation. He never sinned. And Jesus is present with us when we're tempted and he makes his power, his righteousness available to us through the Holy Spirit providing for us what we need in order to resist sin and to please God. The history of the city of Sardis illustrates this so well. The citizens felt secure and safe because of their natural defenses of the steep plateau, because of their tremendous wealth. And so they left their walls of the city unguarded. They thought no one can climb up to where we are. No one can conquer us. But this is what happened twice. And I believe that we as believers are especially vulnerable when we think that we're safe from temptation. 
We're especially vulnerable in those moments when we think that we're so secure in our spiritual life that we don't need to watch. We don't need to guard ourselves from those sins that are destroying people all around us. It's when we feel secure against temptation that we begin to think we can relax around temptation. And in that very moment, we're about to fall into temptation and sin. Paul says this. He says, so if you think you are standing firm, Be careful that you don't fall. It's when we think we're standing most firm, that we are most safe spiritually, that we're actually in greatest danger of falling into sin. But our hope in guarding and watching against temptation is that Jesus Christ will help us by giving us strength to resist in our time of need. Paul goes on, he says this, No temptation has overtaken you except what is common to mankind. And God is faithful. He will not let you be tempted beyond what you can bear. But when you are tempted, he will also provide a way out so that you can endure it. And Jesus often uses brothers and sisters in the church through which he works to provide for us encouragement and accountability and words of correction that we need to resist temptation. Third and finally, Scripture warns us to watch and be on our guard against our enemy, the devil. Peter says this, he writes, be alert. Same, same Greek word again as watch, be on your guard. Be alert and of sober mind. Your enemy, the devil, prowls around like a roaring lion, looking for someone to devour. Resist him, standing firm in the faith, because you know that the family of believers throughout the world is undergoing the same kind of sufferings. Peter says, be alert. Watch, be on your guard, wake up, because there's an enemy of our souls. The devil who's as fierce as a roaring lion, and he's looking around for somebody to destroy. Guard your walls, Jesus says. Don't relax. Don't allow this enemy to creep up and destroy you. The good news is that in Jesus Christ, we have the power to resist the devil. James 4, 7 gives us this command. It says this, submit yourselves then to God. Resist the devil and he will flee from you. When we resist the devil in the name of Jesus Christ our Lord, he will flee from us. At this point, let's again hear Jesus' command to the church in Sardis to strengthen what remains and is about to die, to remember what you've received and heard, hold it fast and repent. 
These commands to strengthen and to remember are rooted in the person and work of Jesus Christ. Jesus alone gives us the faith we need to trust in him. And only through our constant dependence upon him will we receive the strength we need to stand strong in the faith. In temptation, Jesus Christ alone enables us to resist those things that are luring others around us away from God towards sin and spiritual death. And when facing the devil, only through the power of Jesus Christ do we have the authority to resist the devil and to watch as he flees from us. Remember these things, Jesus is saying, to Sardis and to us today. Remember what you have received and heard. Hold it fast. Repent. When I meet someone who served for many years as a pastor or a missionary, I sometimes ask them what has enabled them to persevere for so long through so many trials, so many difficulties. And each time I receive the same answer. Each time, they always tell me that it's only through the power of Jesus Christ and the promises spoken to them through his holy word that have enabled them to keep watching, enabled them to keep guarding, enabling them to keep standing firm in difficult situations. This morning, are you asleep or are you awake? Are you watching and guarding against the weakening faith, against increasing temptation, against the schemes of the devil in your own life? Or are you making the same mistake the city of Sardis made twice? Are you so self-confident that you won't fall from the faith, that you won't fall into temptation, that you won't fall into the schemes of the devil that you've stopped guarding your life. You've stopped depending upon Jesus Christ moment by moment for what you need to stand. If so, then Jesus says to you, as he said to the believers in Sardis, wake up, keep watch, be on your guard, depend more deeply on Jesus Christ. Draw from him what you need today to watch and to guard. Let's pray. Lord Jesus, today, we humbly admit that as, as humans, it's so easy to fall asleep spiritually. It's so easy to, to stop keeping watch. And I thank you today that you, you wake us up through the power of your word and you give us this command to watch and to guard. And I pray, God, for any here that have let down their guard, that have let a, the weakening of their faith creep in or temptation or the devil get a hold of an area of their life, I ask that you'd shake each one of us awake. Shake each one of us awake and that through your power and your authority, we would watch and keep guard. And now, Lord, as your people, we gather around the communion table where we remember 
the price you paid so that we can be guarded, so that we can have hope. Thank you, Jesus, for your death on the cross in our place under God's judgment. We pray this in your name. Amen. We're about to have communion together. If you've not done that yet, if you have not picked up a cup and you're a baptized believer, feel free right now to step back and to take a cup. On the cross, Jesus Christ opened the way for us to be united with the Father. Through his death, he sets us free from the sin that separates us from God and that separates us from one another so that we can experience healed relationships, a healed relationship with God and healed relationships with each other. And Jesus Christ, through his, this, the sacrifice he made of his death on the cross, gives us a power to live a new life. He gives us eternal hope and peace and joy. This new life that now he calls us to guard in him. Today, I invite you to experience afresh the forgiveness and the grace that Jesus offers, the new life of healed relationships with God and one another. And so let's spend a few moments in silent prayer, confessing any sin in our lives to God and receiving from him afresh the forgiveness he freely offers to all who turn to him. Let's pray silently together. In Acts chapter 3, Peter declares, Repent then and turn to God, so that your sins may be wiped out that times of refreshing may come from the Lord. Let's pray. Lord Jesus, today we admit that life can only be found in you. And Lord, we see everyone around us looking for life and wholeness through all these empty things that bring death. But you call us to a different way. And right now I ask, Lord, that again, that you'd cleanse us by your blood that you'd fill us with your Holy Spirit, that you give us your life and power so that we could follow you faithfully all the days of your life, of our lives, we pray. In Jesus' name, amen. In 1 Corinthians chapter 11, Paul writes, For I received from the Lord what I also passed on to you. The Lord Jesus, on the night he was betrayed, took bread, and when he had given thanks, he broke it. And he said, this is my body, which is for you. Do this in remembrance of me. Let's eat the bread together. In the same way, after supper, Jesus took the cup, saying, this cup is the new covenant in my blood. Do this whenever you drink it in remembrance of me. For whenever you eat this bread and drink this cup, you proclaim the Lord's death until he comes. Let's drink the cup together.
Jesus, thank you so much for your broken body by which you take our broken lives and you make them whole. Thank you so much, Jesus, for your shed blood by which you take our our sinful, uh, polluted hearts and you make us clean, whiter than snow. I pray that today each one of us would know the power of the forgiveness you offer through your death and that we would receive in fullness the new life you offer through your resurrection by the power of the Holy Spirit. We pray this in your name. Amen.